I grew up in the church and loved my childhood and teenage years. But when I hit uni, I started asking some bigger questions. At about 20, I attended a conference that really opened my eyes to the depth and breadth of what it meant to be a person of faith. It was at that conference that I met Jules. She's like an older version of me, so now I always call her when I want to process things of faith, vocation, and boys. I kind of get her advice, but I'm pretty sure she learns a few things from me too. That's true. A few people commented on how they love to eavesdrop on our conversations. So like a true millennial, I decided to make a podcast, documenting my journey about what it means to be a woman of faith in the 21st century. I'm Grace Bucknell. And this is neither Mary nor Martha. It is good to have you with us. If you are still with us, you have made it through quite a few episodes now. I have. I'm glad that our conversations are not not too boring. Yeah, and it is great to have people along the ride because we are enjoying just sitting here chatting. Yeah. (laughs) If no one else is listening, we're listening to each other. We are, we are. (laughs) And I am really excited about the next two episodes. So this is a two-part series. It makes it sound way more fancy when you're making it a, a series. Uh, but the series is called Knowing God and Knowing Yourself. And just here we are again tackling the really simple topics. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this one is something that I think, well, it is a lifelong journey. Yes. Knowing God and knowing yourself. It is. So we are not going to fully cover it, but we are going to share some things that have helped us along the way and some things that we are currently, I guess, exploring. Sounds good to me. So to start off with, um, the, there's this cool analogy. I think it was you, Jules, that actually told me this, yeah. but I'm now going to use it Claim and pretend it that I have Go this on. cool analogy Do it. about uh, knowing God and knowing yourself. So if you picture a figure eight, I'm doing it now, but you can't see me, but just do a figure <laughs> a eight. A figure eight, infinity uh, on its side. Uh, yeah, yeah. An eight on its side. An eight on its side. Yeah. And just do that with your finger. And... There's this loop that goes that the more you know God, the more you know yourself, and then the more that you know yourself, the more you know God, and the more you know God, the more you know yourself, and it just keeps going and going and going. And that is that can be quite a, a roller coaster ride sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because right when you're like, Okay, I know myself and now I know God a little bit more and then suddenly Oh no, he's revealing more to yeah. me about myself. <laughs> and that can be quite difficult. Yeah, but uh, I I like that analogy because Mm. I think um, knowing yourself is not navel-gazing. It's not just like, and it's not um, narcissism. You know, it's not, but I think there's a healthy element of of seeing yourself um, and allow, like being humble enough to actually see yourself Mm. um, and all parts of you and offer those back to God. And in doing that, you, you get to know God more Mm. and become closer with him and more intimate with him yeah and we are complex people and it is hard to know ourselves and there is a lot going on and there is stuff that we've picked up from childhood and there's stuff that we that happens to us in our lives that form different ways of being and reacting to things and it is important to take the time to look inward sometimes to reflect yeah so what are what is your kind of way of doing that? What are some of the tools that you use? Well, <laughs> the major tool that I use is the Enneagram. Yay! 
which probably a lot of people have heard of. Um, and a lot of people have heard me talk about, and for all of you listening, I'm sorry, but <laughs> we're doing it again. <laughs> but this one's going to be good, I promise. It, it is a great tool because... Um, it's, so, first of all, it's a personality typology, and there are many personality typologies out there. Um, you, as kids, I think we did things like working out whether you're the, the golden retriever, the beaver, yeah. the otter, or the um, lion. Yeah, or there's the, the peacock, the dove, the owl. Yeah. Or the eagle, which is essentially the same. The same That's exactly thing, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Um, then there's things like Strengths Finder, which is awesome. also amazing. Um, highlighting what your strengths are and um, and how you can be operating in those strengths um, to the best of your ability, mm. um, and and what it looks like to be. Um, what the downside of those strengths mm. looks love, like. Love languages as well. Love languages, understanding how you communicate love mm. to another person. Um, Myers-Briggs, which looks at four different categories and, um, and places you in one of them. So there's 16 different types for Myers-Briggs. Also incredibly helpful. Um not necessarily if you don't do it with a coach, though. Yeah, <laughs> I've had experience with Myers Briggs where, for a long time, I just couldn't. I, different tests would come up slightly differently. The free tests online, and mm. none, none of them really spoke to who I was. And eventually, um, we actually did it at work um, with my sister-in-law, who mm. is a. I did it with her as and well, and you did as well. <laughs> and she's amazing, mm. and. Um, and actually explained so much to me and then it has been one of the best things that I have ever done in yeah. terms of understanding myself and also in terms of understanding my husband. Mm. Like an extrovert, <laughs> an extrovert processes everything out loud. That's and, me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same type and as your husband. <laughs> yes, you are. That's probably why I like you so much. Yeah. Um, but I'm an introvert and so I think everything through in my head before I say it. Mm. Whereas Sam will say things and then forget that he he's even said them. But in my head, I'm thinking I would never say something like that unless it was kind of confirmed. Yeah. And so I'll be worrying about it still two weeks later, and then eventually address it with him, and he'll he can't even remember saying yeah. it. You know. So that even understanding that that's how he operates yep. and that's how I operate. Mm. So now I realise I just don't listen to anything he says because it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, just to add that in with the knowing God, knowing self, yes. knowing others, also. We yes. can kind of put that in there. Totally, yeah. totally, yeah. Um, so coming back to the Enneagram as mm. another option for those um, one of those typologies. And they are all just tools. And if they are not helpful to you, that's okay. That's okay. But, they but I are think the Enneagram oh, but, will be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so basically um, what the Enneagram does that is, um, it is slightly different from some of those others is it's actually got a lot of focus on your brokenness. Mm. So it can be quite confronting when you realise what type you are because reading a description of it feels like somebody has been reading your personal journal yep. and all of the horrible things that you're discovering about yourself are out there. Yeah. Um, so it's confronting, it's exposing, um, but at the same time, very, very helpful. Mm. And so to give you the basics of what the Enneagram is, um, I mean, anyone, you can you can Google this and, and have a look at it and we can link some good websites yeah. um, to to this because it's worth reading, um, reading stuff from a Christian approach as well, mm. a Christian perspective. Um 
But it basically, it's there's nine personality types, and um, the diagram that comes with it is a it's a circle with nine points around the circle, and each of those um, points are also connected to other points within the circle. So mm-hmm. you've got a diagram with the circle and the lines that interconnect the different types. And each of those types are different personalities. And so one of the human problems is that we consistently do what we don't want to do. Yep. And we don't do the things that we do want to do. It's Paul. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, whatever that scripture is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my daughter, as I was putting her to bed when she was about four, said to me, Mum, all the things that I don't want to think about, I think about. And all the things I do want to think about, I don't think about. Yeah, profound from her. I literally said to her, welcome to being human. (laughs) It's like, this is our dilemma. Um, And so I guess what the Enneagram does here, here is helps us to identify some of the repetitive things that we have going on in our minds that are leading us to doing those things that we don't want to do and stopping us from doing the things that we do want to do. Mm. Yeah. And it's definitely been that for me and for you as well, I'm sure. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is It is a really, really useful tool. And so one of the ways that um, there's a woman called Marilyn Vansell who has written a book called Self to Lose, Self to Find, mm. um, and which is about the Enneagram. And she's a Christian woman, so it's from a Christian perspective. And she describes um, the development of personality Um, by likening it to a seed. And so what happens with a seed is that as it's in the mother plant, a seed coat is formed around it. And then um, that seed coat has been created to protect the seed and keep it safe from harm. And it stays there for as long as it's needed until the seed has been planted in a nurturing environment that is safe and healthy. It's getting all of the things that it needs. It's getting sunlight and water. And then what happens is the seed begins to grow and it sheds the outer seed coat so that the the seed can sprout up and become all it has been yeah. created to be. And so the the metaphor is that we as as babies are born with a personality. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that God has created us to be. But what happens is um, that personality then interacts with life experiences. So things happen to us and we form ways of protecting ourselves. Mm. So an example of that for me um, is that I was always um, just, it was always talked about how just how kind and lovely I was Mm. as a child. I was... um, you know, the stories were retold and retold about um, how I would always choose let my let my brothers have the bigger piece of cake and I would take the smaller piece. Or um, I can remember a story being retold how of my little brother feeling um, upset in the car or feeling sick in the car on a long road trip, and I turned around and entertained him to try and keep him distracted and happy to the point where I I vomited myself from oh. car sickness. Oh. So these stories would be told again and again and again. Um, but then in moments where I lost my patience and lost my call with my siblings and smacked them, (laughs) which is what kids do, I would be told off for that, which is just a normal thing to happen. But what my little little, um, personality started to understand is that when I'm 
sacrificing all of my own needs for somebody else and I'm always and I'm being kind to somebody else I'm so celebrated mm. but as soon as I hurt somebody else and maybe even my my immature understanding of that is all I'm doing is expressing my need or my anger I get scolded mm. because it's not appropriate behavior which is fair enough like none of this stuff is bad but you do start to create this coat around yourself okay so I will be the person that is self-sacrificing. I'll yeah. be the person that, um, because I'm celebrated and I'm accepted and I'm not sent to my room, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm allowed to be here and I'm celebrated for being the person that is putting other people before me. Yeah, That's a cool thing. And so then I put this protective coat around myself and this happens in all of us yeah. as we're growing up. And that coat needs to be there mm. because we need to be safe. We need to work out how to keep ourselves safe in this world. Mm. But it, at some point, we have to realise that that seed coat, that is not the seed. So that is what Marilyn Vansell says in her book, is the false self. Right. At some point, we have to realise that that seed coat is not the seed and we need to shed it. Yeah. And that allows the seed to sprout up mm-hmm. and become the plant, the human that mm-hmm. we were created to be. Now, the difficulty is in identifying what's the seed coat and what's the seed. Because your you, your ideal age for doing this kind of stuff is kind of in your early 20s. Yeah. Yay. So a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing it now. But a lot of stuff has happened, right? In that yeah. time, there's yeah. a lot of it's ways of seeing ourselves, and so this is what the enneagram does. And in, the enneagram is a tool for allowing us to identify which parts of us are the seed and which parts are the seed coat and need to be shed. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. And so, how does things like the enneagram? How do they help us to know God better? Because that the enneagram helps us to know ourselves. Yeah. What, how does that? How do we then take that a step further and get it to help us to understand God and know God better? So I think a couple of ways. Um, one of the ways is kind of going back to understanding that we've been made in his image mm. um, and that we all reflect aspects of who God is. And so the more redeemed qualities that we learn about for our type. So, for example, my... I'm a type nine, which is the peacemaker. Um, the the extreme brokenness within the peacemaker is sloth, or the root sin is mm. sloth, which is very confronting and took me years to actually like, confess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the redeemed qualities are, um, well, like it says in its title, is the peacemaker. Mm. I'm able to bring peace to situations that I am in. So people often comment that I bring quite a presence of peace with me, Mm. um, that um, meetings are different when I'm there. Mm. Now, it's funny because the other thing is that the Type 9 has a very um, genuine, like I genuinely can't see that I bring anything extra to anything. <laughs> so this is from other people telling me later, like, yeah. oh, that staff meeting was different today without you there. It's mm. actually different when you're there, which is shocking to me. But that's an aspect of the presence of God. Yeah. And that's a reflection of of, of God. Um, another type is um, the type eight. 
their um, they they bring justice, like they fight yeah. for justice. They've got a strong sense of what is right. They've got a strong sense of what is right and a strong push to be fighting for the underdog. Mm. And so they're bringing justice. That is reflecting Which who is a God huge, is. A huge part of God's character. Yeah, and so we so th- in that way we are able to get to know God mm. through His people and through understanding the redemptive versions of humanity. Mm. But also what it does is it highlights things to us that are in ourselves that need to be handed back over to him. Yeah. So that sloth that is in me, which I think is actually better described as passivity. So I can I can just genuinely not realize that I need to be being intentional about something and just let things go by and yeah, be passive about my life. Um and I constantly need to hand that back to God. And it's only through him that I actually am able to combat that mm. and get things done. <laughs> yeah. And something I think uh, a way that it's brought me closer to God is uh, seeing how the Enneagram highlights what these deep needs are that I have yes, and how those needs motivate everything that I do. But then realizing that those needs can, if I drive those needs toward God, they'll be satisfied. They will be met. Yeah, they will be satisfied, and they also highlight um, things that I do need to kind of address with God more because they br- the the when you're being driven by these needs and you're acting in certain ways because of these needs that you have, you kind of do things irrationally sometimes, yes. and you and you don't really understand why you're doing them, and the, and you need the Holy Spirit. To come in and help guide you and help, because uh, I think for me as a type two, one of my needs is more well, my main need is to be needed and to be valuable and loved, and we're promised that over and over again uh, in Scripture that that is what that is what God yes. does. But a big thing, a big part of that is being able to be secure in who you are, separate from your relationships with people, where you do often get a lot of that. Um, value and affirmation right. and that security in myself is actually security in who I am in God security in my identity as a child of God rather than my security in my identity as this person's friend or that person's daughter or that person's friend yes yep and so I think that's how it's that's how the Enneagram has drawn me closer to God yes and and in in seeing how he meets those needs you're learning about him. Mm. So you're getting to know him more. Yeah, completely. So this is just the first part that we have of knowing ourselves and knowing God better. And we've kind of already touched on how we kind of, we have all these things inside of us and the Enneagram addresses those deeper needs and motivations that we have and the brokenness that we have. But another thing that we have a lot of inside of us are thoughts and feelings and emotions Mm. and they can be pretty overwhelming at times and so in the second part of this little series we are going to be addressing that so I would really encourage you to make sure you listen to number two as we dig deep into how important our thoughts are and how what we think shapes who we are. 